for the 47th installment of the Playing to Win podcast series, and I'm joined today by uh, Robert Kiyosaki. How are you doing, Robert? Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, welcome. So um, I think I should, I mean, I would do a big intro and normally read like a bio to everybody, but I think they know who you are. If you don't know who Robert is, you just Google his name. I mean, it's, it's you'll, you'll figure it out by the end of the show. Um, so we've talked before, uh, you, me, and Rolo, and um, I don't know if I told you this, but Rolo was the guy that basically red-pilled me on relationships and what he calls a sexual marketplace, and you happen to be the guy that red-pilled me on money and finance. Um, I can't put my finger on when I read your book. Um, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I was, I was at an airport at a layover, and I had about five hours between flights, and I just picked up your book um, at the, uh, airport bookstore. And it was a bit of an eye opener, you know, because my entire life, you know, as a young man, they always told you, you know, go to school, get good grades, take accounting courses, learn business, blah, blah, blah. And along comes this book called rich dad, poor dad, where there's one dad that does it wrong. And one dad that does it right. And the guy that does it wrong happens to be your dad. And the guy that did it right was, you know, the, the character that you created in, in the series. How did you how did you come up with that notion of the rich dad poor dad concept? Well, it's a true story. <clears throat> when I was um, nine years old, I went to uh, we moved. I grew up in Hilo, Hawaii, which is the farthest city south, nineteen point five latitude north latitude. And I moved from one part of town to another part of town. My father was the head of education, poor dad, and there were two schools side by side, one right across the street from each other. And one school was for rich white kids. Another school was union school, which was for immigrant kids. And so, you know, Hawaii is a plantation state. So kids came from all over the world, you know, Asia, China, Portugal, Philippines. Mm -hmm. So the kids I should have been with were at union school for unionized. And Riverside School was for rich white kids or primarily the rich kids who are primarily Chinese, Mm -hmm. so Chinese and whites. And I'm going to this little small school across the street from where I should be going. And the first thing I noticed, they all had nice bikes. And I had this old piece of shut five, $5 bike. <laughs> and I wanted to know at that point at nine, I said, you know, how come some people are rich and how come some people are poor? You know, you're nine years old. You want to know. So I asked my school teacher, her name was Mrs. Baptiste. She could have played the wicked witch of the North, but anyway, <laughs> she, she trashes me for you know, the love of money is the root of all evil and all that stuff. Uh, here we go. That's where it started. Wait a, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You know? And I said, it may be evil to you, but it's not evil to me. And so I go to my rich, I go to my poor dad and ask him the same question. I said, how come we don't learn about money at school? And to me, it was a normal question. And he said, well, we don't teach money at school. And I said, that's strange. So he says, but if you want to learn about money, talk to your best friend's father. And that was Mike's father. And he was Chinese. He never went to school. And he went. He never went to school because his father died. And he had to take over the family store at 13. So he got on-the-job training, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And so I started, I, so I asked my poor dad, the academic, I said, um, what's the difference? He says, well, one guy's an entrepreneur and I'm an employee. And the, so I get more confused as a kid. Well, what's the difference? And it says an entrepreneur must know about money and, I, and employees don't. And I just thought that was very, very strange. 
But that's where the story started. So I had to go work for my rich dad for free mm-hmm. in his hit restaurants and hotels and all this stuff. And he would teach me, business. You, you work for free because if I pay you, you'll start programming yourself to think like an un- employee. And as entrepreneurs don't work for money. And I was getting more confused. And uh, so finally, <clears throat> he's teaching me playing Monopoly. You know, I said, so I work for free. And he spends about an hour a week playing Monopoly with his, his son and me. And so finally, I asked him, I said, why are we playing Monopoly? And he said, well, because one of the greatest, there's, there's millions of ways. He says, there's a million ways you can go to a financial heaven. There's different ways. But one of the best ways is on Monopoly. And I said, what's the, what's the formula? He said, four greenhouses, 1031 tax deferred exchange into a red hotel. I went, what? He says, it's right in front of you. And this is a lesson for everybody. Wealth is always right in front of you. Sometimes you just can't see it. Mm-hmm. So when I was 19, I got my 18. I go to school in New York. I got um, nominations to Naval Academy and to Merch Marine Academy. I took Merch Marine Academy. And when I came back from New York in 1966, I was, a, you know, what they call a fourth classman, a plebe. Rich Dad had bought the Red Hotel. So he went from greenhouses to Red Hotel. So I'm observing him work, working his business plan. <clears throat> that Red Hotel today is a Hyatt Regency on Waikiki Beach. Okay. Now, Hyatt, I thought Hyatt. I read somewhere that, that Rich Dad was a fictional character, but you said that, that he was actually your friend's dad, right? Yeah, you got to be careful who you talk to because, you know, like when Rich Dad, Poor Dad came out, I got trashed. Yeah. New York, New York Times took me over the coals. So all the academic elite took me over the coals because they all want to believe that their college degree makes them Superman or Superwoman. Right. And, and you didn't have one. So, yeah. You know, I'm glad I went to college, but I didn't, my, my college degree is in uh, naval architecture and ocean transportation. I've never mm-hmm. used any of it. <laughs> right. Right. What kind of student were you in like elementary school and high school? Were you good, like an A student or no, just a. No, no. You know, the thing that is, they always say Asians, you know, all, all the Asians are battling out in Harvard because there's too many Asians getting into Harvard. Well, I didn't help that curve at all. I was the bottom set, bottom half. Okay. You know, you got to study. I didn't study. I played yeah. Monopoly. I still play Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's not a bad thing. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't a great student either. I mean, I was, I was probably a C average student. In fact, I, you know, I've told the story before. It's probably been a while since I mentioned it, but I, um, my grade eight teacher couldn't, couldn't handle me in the classroom. I can't remember what her problem was, but I ended up getting a desk in the vice principal's office for a week and pretty much for the entire week, he's lecturing me about, yeah. you know, if you study and you do everything right, one day you can be sitting at my desk and you know, you'll be a vice principal of a public school like me. And I, I don't know what he was getting paid at the time, you know, nowhere near as much as what I make now, obviously. Right. But, yeah. um, you know, it's always funny when you get those academics, there's, um, there's a guy that I met at a conference that once said, um, don't let school get in the way of your education. I guess that's something that you resonate with. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and then, then the, the funny thing is, is that because I know you like cars, right? Oh yeah. So all my friends, we, 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 McLarens or Ferraris and, um, we all have different, our grade point average on our license plate. So mine was C plus and my other friend is C minus. <laughs> yeah i've got some friends with plates like that i got a friend that's got one that says no degree yeah um you know yeah. stuff like that but yeah it's it's yeah. or no wife you know yeah <laughs> whatever anyway. whatever seems to work um i'm 
I'm actually curious about your um, time in the military because I like I'm a big guy with military. I've like I I've called this room Bomber Command. You can't see this wall over here, but I have all these like pictures of like planes and stuff. And um, you mentioned that you flew gunship helicopters in Vietnam. What was that like? That was a growing up time. I, I'll go back because I'm coming I'm going to shamelessly plug my latest book coming out November 10th. Oh, do. Marine Corps birthday. Okay. It's called the Capitalist Manifesto. It's how we can counter communism taught in schools by teaching capitalism in our homes. And see, that's where I learned about capitalism. I learned about capitalism at home, mm-hmm. not at school. I learned communism at school. And my poor dad, good man, you know, my mother's a good person, but they never read the Communist Manifesto. They never studied Hitler and they never studied Mao. So today we have absolute communism going through our academic system now. And we wonder why we have, you know, I won't mention names because we get deplatformed. Mm-hmm. But the media is now completely, as you know, on the dark side. And so yeah. I'm fighting, I am fighting for capitalism because capitalism is about freedom. You can be a communist if you want, but don't take my freedom away. Yeah, I want to talk to you a little bit about the state of the world right now in this show. And again, guys, I mean, if you're new to this series on the podcast, it's called Playing to Win. And there's two distinct ways that I see people play in life. They either play to win or they play not to lose. And they might sound similar, but playing to win is a very different approach to life than playing not to lose, right? Correct. Um, So back to the helicopter gunship, (laughs) because I want to get to that. What did you fly and what was that like? Well, um, make a short answer long. I got a, I had a high paying job with standard oil when I graduated from Merch Marine Academy. Mm-hmm. So my classmates in 69 were making 120 K a year, which is pretty good back then. And, uh, Marine gunship powders making 200 a month. And so it was a tough decision, you know, Rich, I said, well, and I had, my instructor was a B 17 pilot in world war two. And I sat down with him. I said, I got this high paying job with standard oil. And you talked about flying bombers, B-17s, against Germany in World War II. You got shot down twice, captured once, and you know. Otherwise, he's what was that like? He says the best experience of his life. Sorry, Robert. Just give me one sec. My my cleaner's asking me a question. Sorry, I'm just on a call. You can't disturb me or anything. No, no, keep the vacuum off. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry about that. Now, so anyway, the, my English my English teacher says it was the best experience of his life. So here I'm 24 years old. I have this high paying job with Standard Oil and I look in this guy's eyes and I got the message, mm-hmm. go for it. All so right. I freaking I joined the Marine Corps to go fight, which proves how stupid I am. But I figured if I was going to go to war, I want to go, go to war with guys who like to kill. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to go with the Coast Guard. They like to save lives. I want to kill people. Right, right. So I wind up at Pensacola and then I said, what's the... I was going to fly the C-130, you know, the prop plane, 400 prop. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's Hercules with the gun yeah, set up yeah, where, where yeah. it banks and it kind of loiters in circles. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so they, uh, it was also puffed the magic dragon, you know, the gunship went overhead. Right. That's what I wanted to fly. Just hammer them with electric guns. Okay. Anyway, so I do, a, I do a flight on a C-130 and I said, this is the wrong plane for me, you know, because I can't stay awake. It's like sitting in a classroom for 10 hours. Okay. Those damn C 130s. I said, so I asked my monitor, my, my career counselor, I was at Pensacola. I said, what's the fastest way to Vietnam? He says, gunships. I said, why is that? He says, 
life expectancy, 30 days. Mm. And that's how I wound up on gunships flying off a carrier in Vietnam. So gunship helicopters, like what did you fly? Was it, was it Cobras? Was it Hueys? Both. Both, eh? Yeah. Wow. We're interchangeable. Uh, the gunship I liked the best was a Huey because mm. it, uh, I had gunners on board. Yeah. And you know that these guys are like kids, 19 years old. They know no fear. <laughs> <laughs> so, so all you had to do was get the gunner there and just let him do his thing, huh? Yeah, we just have, and it wasn't a good time. There was a lot of tremendous sadness, you know, when gunships don't come, your friends don't come back. You know what I mean? Yeah. You sit yeah. there waiting on the carrier, and they say they're not coming back. So I went to the Whaling Wall in Vietnam, in uh, Washington D.C., mm. and there's my classmates' names up there. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that wall. Um, it's a big wall with lots of names. Um, would you would you recommend the military to young men today? I'm glad you asked that question because you and Rollo have helped me so so much. I mean, the reason I'm on this program is to say thank you to you and Rollo. Thank you for sure. Because what happened to me was, you know, I was I don't think I was alpha, but I was a marine pilot. I was pretty much an asshole. And then I got married to a great woman, still married to her, but I turned into a big fat beta. Mm -hmm. And I was very happily married man. I never cheated on my wife and all that. And I realized that was a big mistake. Not not cheating. I mean, you know, I, I don't cheat, even on my taxes. I pay no taxes, but I don't cheat. But anyway, uh, I became a big fat beta. Yeah. And so when my wife left me, as you guys talk about, what, 80% are initiated by the woman? Correct. And it was like taking a shotgun blast right in the chest because I love her so much. And then, they, so my friend George Gammon gave me Rollo's book. And then he told me to watch you on, because he drives a McLaren like you do. Mm -hmm. And so I'm watching you guys. So you guys are onto it. I mean, yeah. you guys have a message that's worth talking about. Because as you guys say, testosterone levels are going down. And as a Marine, you know, I'm not LBGT. I'm a man. I like women. If you want, you want to have sex with a man, that's your private property. It's not mine. I don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. But what you guys talk about is essential. And you know, I, so I, I asked to come on your program just to validate what you're saying. We have too many guys who aren't men anymore. There's no money. They have no money. No sex. No power. Yeah. No money. No sex. No power. That's yeah. Tragedy. Money sucks. Power. Yeah. Let, let's let's um. Let's cover that too, but I want to go back to the uh, question about would you recommend the military to, to men today? Because I mean, the military today is a lot different than the military yeah. that you joined back in the day. Yeah, they're now they they now have you know Black Lives Matter training and all that stuff inside of it. There's a uh, Victor D Davis Hanson. You know, he did a thing about Patton. It's it's I think it's for Hillsdale College, mm -hmm. and people should study Patton because that guy was a wild man, and. But he got pounded because Eisenhower and those guys were kind of my my one of my best friends is a three-star general Marine, you know. And he and he fought Desert Storm, he fought in Vietnam, he did all this. He says, but too many generals today are bunker bunnies. You know, they don't go on the front line. And Patton was a front line guy. Mm. And so the difference in mindset, so against Victor Davis Hanson, he talks about George Patton. And I think every man should listen to Patton. What what Patton was like. Is there a, um, is there a piece of material that you'd recommend most? Is there a book? Is there a, a documentary or anything or? No, it's, it's Victor Davis Hanson on YouTube. He okay. spoke at Hillsdale college. Okay. But he did this whole, um, report on Patton and Patton was kind of my hero too, because like I said, he, he was gonna, he wanted to take on Russia 
And Eisenhower and the boys don't want them to take them, take Russia. You know, Patton, all they remember Patton for was slapping those people in the hospital, which he should have done. But he was a rich guy. He's kind of like a Trump, if you're in the same, same kind of energy. So it's not, not whether you're rich or poor, it's your spirit you come out with. So Patton was kind of my hero. My mm-hmm. aunt, my aunt uh, was the prima ballerina of Paris, and she fought for the French underground. So when I was at school in New York at King's Point, she used to talk to me about Patton also. The guy was a real stud. Mm-hmm. But, but, the, but the political generals like Eisenhower and those guys, you know, they got the glory, but the guys like Patton are on the front line. And I'd rather be on the front line. So that's the long answer to the military. I am glad I went. I am really, really glad, but not everybody should go. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, um, I mean, uh, I have guys that, that have been in the military that are, that are asking questions about, you know, do you think it's a good place to spend some time? And I think it, I mean, I see the value in the discipline and I see the value in the camaraderie and I see the value in, um, you know, the grit that I suppose that every guy should right. still be learning there. But um, there's just a lot, like I've got a guy that I was coaching a couple of years ago that was a Naval officer and, and he was telling me all these stories of all the political nonsense that he was dealing with on the boat and female officers and the drama. And it's just like all this stuff back and forth. And it's like, you know, he's on a trajectory to go start his own business and the military doesn't offer him anything that would be useful to his future. So I mean, we put a plan together to basically, you know, put an exit strategy out because I mean, when the writing's on the wall and you see it, then it's just like, okay, you know, enough's enough. We have to accept this and surrender that this is the environment that we're in today. We're not going to change it by protesting or complaining to a, a, a CEO, right? Um, well, let me add this. You saw what happened in Afghanistan, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just, that, that, was they just left. that was absolute treason. That was horrible. And the guy they put in jail is that Marine Lieutenant Colonel who criticized the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Yeah, they should put the Joint Chiefs of Staff and Biden in jail for what happened in Afghanistan. That was yeah. true. Yeah, but they put this Marine Lieutenant Colonel in jail. What is wrong with this country? Yeah, that was. Um, I don't know how many years that war was, but it's like they basically spent all that time and money in Afghanistan, and all these men lost their lives to basically replace the Taliban with the Taliban. That's that's what they ended up with. Um, but what are you going to do? Um, yeah, the military is a interesting conversation these days, especially you know with the topics around uh, Russia and China and what's going on between you know China and Taiwan right now, and uh, you know how that's going to affect things here. Let me ask you, you know, to kind of predict, like, how do you think the next five or ten years is going to unfold with America? You know, with this Chinese Taiwan Russia sort of collusion, blah blah blah. Like, you hear all these narratives, and I know that you've been around a lot longer, and you kind of see the code in the matrix, you know, when it comes to politics and the economy. So I just wanted to ask you your view on that. I think it's a cover-up. I think that's like, you know, it's like they wave, it's like the magician, they wave the flag here, but they're shuffling stuff around here. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of this saber-rattling, which, I mean, China is a formidable foe, but they're business partners. Do you know what I mean? They need us as much as we need them economically. Mm-hmm. It's the same as what's going on with the Fed. The Fed has got no power. There's a shadow, the European shadow bank system. It's got more power, but the Fed issues is, you know, they call it for it, you know, they watch CNBC and I sit there watching that garbage, you know, they say, well, you know, the Fed's going to do this, the Fed's going to do that. The Fed's got no power, but what they're trying to get us to believe is that there's inflation. 
it's really what's happening is we're in depression. And the same things in China with this COVID thing. I was writing another book on September 17th, 2019, when the repo market collapsed. I went, holy shit. The last time that happened was 2007, and then 2008 came. Mm -hmm. And so I knew something was wrong, and then COVID appeared. So being, um, you know, I, I talk about gold, silver, Bitcoin, not because I'm a gold, silver, Bitcoin fan. I just don't trust the Fed, the Treasury, and Wall Street. You know what I mean? I don't trust them. Yeah. So I, I, I buy stuff that's outside their system. Yeah. And that's, that's great advice that I've been, you know, talking about for years now. I've been, I mean, I wish I got in earlier. It was around 2012 or 2013. I was talking to my friend about, you know, what he was up to. And he said, oh, I'm going all in on this cryptocurrency thing and Bitcoin. I'm like, you're crazy. You know, the banks are going to try to shut it down. They're not going to let something like this take off. It's not happening. He's like, no, well, you know, you, you watch and see. And, you know, he started in 2012, 13. I got in, in 2017. So I was a few years later than he was, but, um, it's still very early. I mean, like, you know, speaking of, of, of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and, and uh, gold and silver, like, do you think that has legs? Like, do you think that's something that's going to, um, you know, still be around in 10 or 15 years? No, I think people should pay attention. That's why I love YouTube, you know, because I get real teachers and a lot of them are fakes. But you, you find the real guys like this guy, Jim Records, is a friend of mine. He was a long term capital management and all this stuff. I was just with Rant, Rant, Ron Paul in Dallas last week and all this. But this is the enemy here. This mm -hmm. is $10. It says $10 billion. <coughs> Where's that from? From which country? Uh, Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe, okay. And this is, I want people to see this because this is the future of the dollar. If you understand that, that's why they have, they're paying people not to work. That's why COVID is going around. And I've, I've had COVID. It's real. It's not that bad. But I think it's a distraction from the debt. They just printed ten trillion dollars to tr to prevent the economy from collapsing. Mm -hmm. So the reason I re recommend gold, silver, Bitcoin, and YouTube, and listening to guys like you and Gamma and all this stuff, you've got to have people who are playing with us with the cards, and you know you can see their cards. Most of, most of these guys, like they just caught the Fed for insider trading. Mm -hmm. I mean, these guys are PhDs, like my poor dad. They're insider trading. That's supposed to be protecting us. Mm -hmm. um, give me a break. And so that's why when I was in Vietnam in 72, you know, Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard in 71. Yeah. And being a Marine, not the brightest, my co-pilot and I flew behind enemy lines looking for gold. We found this little thing. There's a gold mine on the map of Vietnam. One big problem is the NVA had overrun it. So it was now in enemy hands. But proving Marines have no brains we figured we could get in and out fast enough without them catching us. <laughs> <laughs> How did that work out? So, so Rich, I bought my first ounce of gold in 1972. It's after about six months after Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard. I still have that. I still have that. Uh, it's a Kruger end. How much and was I, gold in 1972? How, uh, much, 50 How much? 50 bucks. Yeah. It was, it was at 35 and floated to 50. Okay. But my point here is this, you've got to be aware, be, you know, there's no answer. Just pay attention. Yeah. And that's, that, that's why I, 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 I want to iterate. I came on, like, I wanted to come on your program because what you say is priceless. What you and Rollo are teaching is priceless. Yeah. I want to ask you a, a question about your number one rule, but before I do that, um, you know, I often tell guys like, um, you have to be careful 
who you listen to out there and who you take advice from. And a, and a couple of things I always ask them, you know, look at is, would you trade places with that person? Number one, number two, somebody can only take you as far as they've come. Right. So if you're, t- I mean, if you're listening to some guy that has the same upload button that I do, that you do, that Gammon does, that Rolla does, for example, that really haven't come very far in their life and have done nothing, should you be listening to them? So, I mean, like, how do you generally vet for information sources? Like, what do you do to ensure that you really want to listen to this person? Like, I mean, how did you decide to listen to me? Like, why would you say, well, I'm going to listen to this bald bearded guy up in Canada that's talking about this, that, and the other thing because my friend Gammon recommended it. Like, why did you decide to do that? Well, because I trust Gammon. Right. I mean, he and I, he um, he shares an office building with me. Okay. And, I, I, you know, I, 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 we're just in Texas together. You know, and, and our whole thing is, my, my new little program that you came on was sex, money, power. Because we all want, you know, when I was in high school, I wanted sex, I wanted money, I wanted power. And they don't teach that in school. So that's that's why I listen to George, I listen to guys like you and all this. Mm-hmm. And then exactly as you guys say, the testosterone level is going down and the women are getting desperate. Uh, and I, I laugh because I had Nicola, Dr. Nicola on to talk to you and Rallo because she's the woman going up. You know, she went through an epiphany and she says, I better do something myself. So she's a rich young woman. Yeah. And I meet a lot of these rich young women, but they all hate you and Rallo. <laughs> They don't hate us. What they what they don't like is the message that we provide because it, oh, well, it doesn't necessarily I, I, serve them. Hey, Rich, it's every time I every time I send one of your tapes or videos or models, I get these women who want to challenge you. <laughs> why, ladies? Why I have <laughs> ladies. If you want to challenge me, I have a show on Monday night. It's eight p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's called <laughs> the Unplugged Alpha. If you have a better solution to something I've addressed, please feel free to call in and I'll put you on and, you know, we can chop it up live. Please, you know, please do. But that, but that's, that's why you guys crack me up is because, you know, I take on the Fed, I take on the treasury, I take on schools. You guys take on women. You got, you got more guts than me. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, 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 believe it or not, Rolo, the, 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 the toughest guys to deal with are the plugged in beta males that are, that are unwilling to see the truth. You know, they just want to keep doing what they've always done and they always keep getting what they've always gotten, which is unfortunate. Well, what you guys talk about is, I mean, it's not male or female. It's really about sex, money, power. Yeah. When you think about it, and so a lot of times women are now, getting more money and power. But what they lose is what you guys call hypergamy is they get more powerful, but there's fewer men. Right. And boy, that pisses them off. Yeah. It's, it's a tough thing for women. And, you know, we can talk about this for a couple of minutes too, but, but I was actually going to put a video on this. I mean, we can talk about this briefly, but you get a woman that gets about 40 years old. Who's, who's, who's chased excellence all her life. She's got a bunch of degrees on the wall framed in mahogany with little, you know, letters after her name and, and she's done something with her life and she's now become wealthy. And then she looks at the dating pool and she says, all right, well, let's find a guy. Well, women are hypergamous. So that means they date up and across. So that means that she has to find somebody that's at her level or better. She's obviously going to prefer better. And then the problem after that now is, okay, so now you've shrunk the pool dramatically. And the problem after that is a lot of the guys that are in that age bracket that she's looking around her age are dating younger women. And then they get upset that they're, that they're, having difficulty finding a good candidate to, you know, 
get into a relationship, whether start a family, whether whatever. It is what it is. But uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you about um, your number one rule, which uh, was you must learn the difference between an asset and a liability and buy assets. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, I, when I wrote Rich Dad Porter in 97, it came out, it had to be self-published because I said three things. The rich don't work for money. Savers are losers. And uh, your house is not an asset. And it all goes down to a financial statement. I, sh I have one right here. This is the financial statement from my board game. So this is income. It's called a PL. Is that the and cash flow board game? And this is called a balance sheet. Yeah. And this is called the statement of cash flow. And that's all Rich Dad is. It's a book on accounting. <laughs> so everybody calls our house an asset, but if so, but it's a liability because the because the cash flows out of the expense column. Mm -hmm. If I have an asset like I have apartment houses, it flows into my income column. So assets flow money into your income column liabilities take money from you. It's that simple. So this is what your banker wants to see because I go and I borrow $30 million three weeks ago for a project in uh, Austin, Texas. The average guy cannot borrow 30 million bucks. But the way you borrow $30 million, you got to walk in one of these things. It's called a financial statement. I sat down and said, you see all these assets over here? I got 10,000. I pay no taxes. And I make this a month. It's exactly everything you say. Just stepped up a bit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, this is this is from my cash flow board game, and, and it's what you guys say also. You know, chase excellence. Don't chase women. I chase this shit here. Right. I I have so many freaking assets, and it's a habit. You know, I just I just put deals together. I've been doing it since I was ten years old. What do you think of the um, interviews with Michael Saylor where where he basically describes Bitcoin like digital real estate? Do you think that, Bit, that, that Bitcoin is digital real estate? Is it the equivalent of like a building with rental income? I mean, because well, you can stake Bitcoin, it can earn you interest and it, and it is generally going to appreciate in value the way that, it, that it's been designed. Yeah, but just let me explain something. You know, this here, the Zim dollar, the US dollar doesn't make any difference. Mm -hmm counterparty risk is the government of Zimbabwe. And the reason I recommend gold over Bitcoin is because the US dollar, if this was a US dollar, the counterparty risk is the Fed, the Treasury, and Wall Street. It's I trust Bitcoin more than I trust Biden. <laughs> <laughs> you can get to that level of intelligence, you got it. I'm a Marine. Yeah, like I, said, I trust this pad more than I trust government. <laughs> I know, that's what I'm saying. It's it's that simple. Keep it simple. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, do I like Bitcoin? Yeah, because I bought it at six thousand. Would I buy it today? Maybe not. Do you know what I mean? And all these guys, I've, you know, I've been in the, I've been around long enough. When somebody is telling me it's going to one point five million, you know, Bitcoin is, I got to be careful. That's like when a stock comes out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like Tesla is now what, $1,000 a share or something. Well, well, well do you think Bitcoin will displace gold as a store of value? 
What's that? Because, I mean, do you think Bitcoin will displace gold as a store of value? Because gold's worth about $10 trillion on the market, I think, as a market cap. And Bitcoin, if I'm not mistaken, is just over a trillion. So basically, 10xing Bitcoin brings it up to $600,000. My concern is, Rich, and this I'll be up front because the Bitcoin guys will trash me for this one. But yeah. there's all this new technology coming out. And Bitcoin might be old technology. I'm not saying it is or not. I'm mm -hmm. just saying as a skeptic, as a professional investor, I've got to watch all sides of it. Got it. And where gold and silver, gold is, I call gold and silver God's money because they're part of the element with the periodic table. Mm -hmm. You know, they're part of God. I'm not religious, but I'm saying, and I've been, I've, I've started gold mines and silver mines, took them public on in Toronto. I hang out in, you know, Vancouver, where all the crooks of the world hang out in resource industry. Mm -hmm. So I love, I love Canada, you know, because every Frito Bandito hangs out in Vancouver. I've heard every bullshit story possible, but that's why I like the game. You know, I love it. Mm -hmm. But if you can be so stupid to take my word for it, then that's your problem. You know, if I, I, I if I told you right now, Bitcoin is $6,000, how many people would buy it? Well, everybody would. Right. But at the time it was frightening because it, it went from 20 dropped almost went off the chart to zero it, it, it stabilized at three i watched it there it hit six and i bought 65 bitcoin because i don't trust the dollar if you can understand that that was a good move i don't trust the treasury and i don't trust biden so i buy bitcoin let me throw the super chat up here on the screen so advice for men pursuing an anti-fragile life do you have any advice for men on that Oh, for them? Yeah. Listen to you. I mean, you're Rich, only reason I'm on here now is when you talked about stop chasing women, start chasing excellence. My question, I, I, I took it to heart. I was what does chasing excellence mean? Because excellence is a word. And everybody, and words are cheap. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I could put God, Jesus, diet, exercise. People don't do shit. You know, so I have this diagram here. And these are your four intelligences. You have mental emotional, physical, spiritual. So if you're chasing excellence, chase it in all four. I agree. Do you know what I mean? But a lot of times people, oh yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm an excellent person. <laughs> Give me a break. What are you doing that's excellent? So the stuff that I want to acknowledge you for is I hear you're chasing excellence every time I'm in the gym and I want to quit. You know, at that moment I say, go two more. You know, and emotionally, every morning, I don't want to go to the gym. Every morning I get up and say, oh, I want to stay in bed. I'm going to suck a coffee down. I'm going to have another another beer or something. You know, and mm -hmm. it's called EQ, emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. The most important. And so the thing I, I love about what you and Ronald talked about was, can I chase excellence in everything I do? And it's actually made me a better human being because I'm kind of a grump. And I, I go in, you know, people stop me on the street constantly. Oh, thank you for writing your books, you know. And I do my best to be the best person at that moment with that person. I don't even know them. But chasing excellence is, to me, more physical. I have um, here, I'm going to drop this real quick. Um, and it's the last video that I just uploaded in my channel. You guys can watch this later. It's just a short. It's 59 seconds long. 
but it's the definition of what a top shelf man is. Basically, the top 5% of men possess these traits, which is which is what I would define as chasing excellence is going to get you to arrive at. So watch that later when you have 59 seconds, Rob. I know you're busy, but um, the other the other super chat I got here, let me throw this up real quick from Chris, $200, says, priceless guest. Thanks for bringing it. Dude, thanks for the uh, donation too. Uh, thanks for bringing unplugged successful men onto the showing, willing to share their lives and lesson. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate that. Uh, no question aside from that. Let's see what else we got here. And the competent man has one for us. What do you think of labor product and energy problems? Like, is like the government are deliberately running things into the ground. I tend to agree with that. But again, as we say about chasing excellence, have a mission, have a purpose. Have a purpose, yeah. Put a little dent in the universe. Know. Make a name for yourself. Correct. And that, that was the first word I learned at the academy in New York is what's the mission. And so when I start a business, it's what's the mission. And the more I chase mission versus money, I'm more successful. Yeah. So what, what, what uh, like I said, I'm on your program to acknowledge you guys for being forthright. You know, I, I appreciate what you just helped me. You guys have helped me a lot. You and Rollo. Can, um, can we talk about the whole um, betatization through a thousand conceptions? process that you went through with your marriage? Because I mean, you, like, you've been pretty open about it. I mean, you called yourself a big fat beta. And, um, you know, you loved your wife to death, you didn't do, do anything outside of the marriage. And it just kind of it, you know, the knot sort of untied itself over time. And you mentioned that that was because of, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it, but it sounds like it's because you kind of relaxed in the marriage, right? Like, did you go through betatization through a 1000 concessions? Yes, it was. Yes. I was I'm, a, I'm still in love with my wife. I'm very happily married. And I was, <clears throat> I was building a feather nest, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And then one day, exactly as you guys say, she says, about four years ago, she says, I'm out of here. And it's not, it's not, not cheating her that counted. It's I stopped chasing excellence. She never did. So what I'm saying to you, Rich, is what you guys talk about. So I, I was pushing, you know, double XL polo shirts and 40 inch waist. Mm -hmm. And I'm a Marine. You don't do that shit. And so today I'm down to a 32 inch waist and a 40 inch chest. I'm in the stacks, like you say, five days a week now. And I'm making more money. I'm working harder. I'm, I'm focusing on this here is what can I do that makes me more excellent? And when I do, the rest falls in place. A lot of people, oh, yeah, I'm an ex. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to go work out, you know, mm -hmm. don't do anything. And the reason is emotionally it gets in the way. You know, I get up this morning, I go, I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to, you know, we had Dr. Nicole on with me who, who would detox me. That detox is a killer because all my addictions come up, mm. you know, my, like, like drinking and eating. But unless she was there, unless I was willing to do it, you know, go through the 21 day process of her detoxifying my organs, I still be a fat beta male. But what came up immediately is headaches, pain, misery. I hated it. I wanted to eat. I wanted to drink and all this and not go to the gym. So every time I'm in the gym, I, I hear your words, you know, chase excellence. What do you have to say to the guys out there that, um, I mean, I, I generally call them just doomers now, like they're all doom and gloom. And they would say something like, well, if a guy like Robert Kiyosaki couldn't keep his wife around, what makes me think I can do it? Like, why should I get married? Why should I even bother with women? 
Well, that's that's a very very good question. You know, I, I don't have it as a personal question, but I'm still partners with my wife, business wife. Mm-hmm. You know, we still you know, that noise is from. But anyway, uh, I. It's, it's like the Marine Corps, you know. I'm glad I went through it, <laughs> and I'm glad I'm married. And and today, as I say, the more I chase excellence, the more women I have. Now, what you guys call LTR, that's another question, because I'm still happily married in many ways, but we're just not together. We're still business partners. She's still my best friend. And that's priceless. You find, just like my business partners, some some of them have been with me 30 years. That's priceless. Mm-hmm. And I've met, you know, scumbag business people. Talk to me about, about the, about the scumbags out there. I mean, like there's a lot of horrible people out there that will dupe you, that will take advantage of you. Do you, and I mean, as an older guy, like as you get older, you start to get better and better at, at like sussing them out, you know, separating the wheat from the chaff, sort of speak. How do you, how do you go about sizing somebody out, you know, to make sure that they're, they're the real deal? Do you have that's a, a test very, or anything? That's a very, very good question because um, the rule of thumb my rich dad taught me was that from out of every bad deal and every bad partnership comes a good partner. So sometimes you make it's, it's like you know, you date. She may be the best looking person on earth, but she's not a good person. But it makes you clear on what you want. If you know what I mean. So I've had so many horrible partners. It cost me thirty million dollars to get rid of my last one. Because they're scumbags. Now, this is where my wife stepped up and where I didn't, Rich. She cleaned them out. I didn't, I, I mean, I make so much money outside my business. I didn't really care how much they stole. Mm-hmm. But my wife did. And Kim, she's a, you know, she's a beautiful blonde. She's, she's thin, but she's not weak. And she went in and fired them all. <laughs> and I called it, it was her crossing the Rubicon. Mm-hmm. She was no longer a, a, just a pretty woman who was smart and all this stuff. She cleaned house. And that's, and that's when she cleaned house with me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes when it rains, it pours, right? They just keep going. <laughs> uh, Eric says, best channel, best speakers by Bitcoin. G Money says, Robert, can you tell us a big secret behind green initiatives and the move to carbon-based currency and your thoughts on a U.S. social credit score? There's a few questions there. So let's talk about them. Let's talk about the U.S. social credit score first. What do you think of that question? Well, I think it's called what surveillance capitalism. And that's why, you know, I, my friend has what Siri and Alexa and all that stuff. I want to, I want a little bit of that stuff around me as possible. Mm-hmm. And so I know they're tracking. I know they're going to track us on this program. And that's called censorship, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And it's, the worst thing is self-censorship. Because I'm so afraid what YouTube's going to do to me or Twitter's going to do to me, I self-censor, and that's called fascism. Yeah, you know, but it's, yeah, I've got to self-censor as well too when I'm casting. Like I know that there's certain things I can't say in certain areas right. that I won't go to, and I just reserve that for off off-air stuff, Correct. right? Correct. When having did our one-on-one and stuff like that, right. can't be censored. But anyway, um, it's but this is the thing, Rich. There's always the outside. You know, we cannot control the outside that well, but we can control this inside. And that was the thing I learned in the Marine Corps. Can I be a leader? It meant my own brain, my own emotions, my own spirituality, and my own physicalness. 
I can control me. So I'm a leader inside of me. And that's why what you you and Rollo are saying really strengthened this for me. Because I was getting my ass kicked by women and my weight physically. You know, I had lost control here. Mm-hmm. So like I said, I was I was now I was I was in a double L Ralph Lauren shirt and a 40 inch waist. I think that the um, notion of the US social credit score that this guy's referencing is probably along the lines of what's unfolding now that's starting to look like what China's been doing, where it's like, if, you know, if your credit's not good enough, if you go outside and do something that's not a, that's not agreeable to the government, or you haven't been vaccinated, you know, for example, you haven't taken certain shots and you lose certain privileges. Like even right now in Canada, you could argue that there's a social credit score because I can't get on a plane and travel because I haven't taken a government vaccine. right? Right. So, I mean, there is a, a, a social credit score that's starting to unfold here. Like, have you started to see that happening more? Or, Well, I, I was in Dallas, Texas with Gammon. And I said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Because mm-hmm. I have my own private jet and my money stashed offshore. <laughs> <laughs> so, lesson there, guys. Money solves a lot of problems for you. <laughs> and I have a, I'm, I'm going to get a second passport. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I... Second passports are a very, very good idea. I was yeah. actually, I had a guy on David Lesperance. He's a ex-lawyer that lives in Poland. He's a Canadian guy. And he was telling me, and he's breaking down all these reasons and all these examples. And it was on this cast too. So, so it's on this playlist on playing the win. And he was breaking down the reasons for second, third passports, you know, how your ass doesn't need to be where your assets are. Like you can have your assets in another country and your ass somewhere else sort of thing. Very, very good concept. If you guys haven't seen that, you know, go watch it because it's an introductory into it. I'm going to have David on again in the future too, by the way. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, he, so G Money here said uh, the big secret behind green initiatives and the move to carbon-based currency. So what are your thoughts on on that part of the question? Well, God bless AOC, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, that time in <laughs> Well, when she came, up with, she came out with, you know, she came up with two things with the green, the green New Deal. I don't know if she came up with it and then taxed the rich, mm-hmm. right? So I said, okay, I look at that. And a capitalist can figure that. If you can't outthink a socialist or a communist, hang it up, man. You know, capitalists are capitalists because they're very creative individuals. So I called my other friend. He's talking to me and he says, I'm going to start a carbon credit company. So the a- ALC is driving everybody into carbon credits. They've been, been, been around for 20 years. Yeah. So I just made another couple of million dollars because I financed a carbon credit deal. Yeah. Everybody has to buy carbon credits from me. God bless AOC. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, just go, and and a carbon credit is really a tax on like Exxon and the airlines and all this. Mm-hmm. What happens now is Delta Airlines has to buy carbon credits from me. God bless them. Do you think that the um, carbon credit, social credit system that's coming, I can't remember who did this tweet. It was a guy from Sweden and it said something along the lines of it's, you know, the year is 2032. Um, You get into your electric car, which won't go anywhere because you've already utilized your mileage for the month and exceeded your carbon credits. You then walk to the grocery store to pick up your groceries and some steaks and they won't let you check out with your steaks because you've exceeded your carbon credits. So you have to go home with a bag full of bugs <laughs> and that's your dinner. Like it could get to that point. Could it not? Like, don't you think? You never know, Rich. You never know. I mean, I wrote Rich Dad Poor Dad in 97. I gave my crack, a cash flow board game, which this is part of it. You know, it's a financial statement. 
Okay, you got to have a financial statement today. Most people don't have one. Mm-hmm. But the reason I can borrow so much money is because of that. But that's my way of saying in 96, 97, I knew it was going to get worse because I flew behind enemy lines in 90, 1972 to buy gold. I paid 50 bucks for it. That was a lot of money back then for a Marine lieutenant, you know. Mm-hmm. I didn't think Rich, I didn't think it was going to get this bad. You know, so it's got a lot worse than I imagined. So is it going to get worse? Possibly. But I'm pre- I'm preparing for it, not not you know, hiding in a bunker, if you know what I mean. I'd rather be like a Patton on the front line, General Patton, than a bunker bunny general hiding behind the afraid of the afraid of a gunfire. Life life seems to be a, a series of problems and challenges, you know, especially for men. And I've always said to guys, you know, when they ask me, like, you know, when it comes to entrepreneurship, Rich, like, what do you think is the number one trait that you should have? And I've always said problem solving skills, problem solving skills, because that's because that's what being an entrepreneur is. You've got to solve problems constantly. How how important is being able to solve problems when they come at you in life? Well, again, it's skill sets. It's what skill sets do you need to solve the problem? Like, you know, if uh, somebody has a plumbing problem, I can't solve it for them. I don't, I'm not a plumber. Right. But finance, I understood. So that's why I studied. I've been studying money since I was nine years old. I've been studying the Fed since I read The Creature from Jekyll Island by G. Edward Griffin. And in my book coming out, <clears throat> the Fed is actually Marxist, but people don't know that, which goes back to what I studied at the academy, the, the Communist Manifesto. Marx and Lenin said a central bank is essential to communism. And this is the third central bank is the Fed. You guys have the you know Canadian bank, you have the European central bank and all this. And they control the show. Mm-hmm. But that's why I have gold, silver, and Bitcoin, because I don't trust them. Yeah. Now, you have to deal with them, but you don't have to be a victim of them. Yeah, you can structure your life in such a way where you're not under their thumb all the yeah. time. Um, another super chat, Roberts. Uh, thank you. You were the first video, 60 minutes to getting rich. I saw about the rat race in finance. It changed my life big time. Could you talk about the rat race? Cause I, uh, cause I had a note over here, uh, according to rich dad, the poor and middle class revolves around a pattern, the pattern of getting up, going to work, paying bills, the cycle repeats over and over again. This is what Robert Kiyosaki refers to as a rat race. Can you talk about the rat race a little bit? Yeah. The rat race is on my game board. You know, what I, what I do is I take what, you know, vernacular we all use in the rat race. But also there's the fast track. And the fast track is the capitalist track. And to get onto the fast track, you got to have one of these. But they don't teach you at school. They teach you get good grades. But my bankers never asked me what my grade point average was. My, my banker just wants to know, is my money coming from here? Yeah. How many assets do I have? And like I said, I have about 8,000 rental units plus commercial plus this plus businesses, plus, you know, I just focus here, whereas school teaches you to focus here. How much income can you make? And the trouble with income is your first line's tax. And Marx and Lenin says you want to kill the, you want to kill capitalism, you grind them through inflation and taxation. Is that going on today? Yes, we just printed $10 trillion in the US. Canada, your scores, according to the BIS, the Bank of International Settlements, you guys are the worst in the world. You know, it's, and I know how, I love Canada. I'm, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm there all the time. My companies, I took my companies pu- public in Toronto, not NASDAQ. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I love Canada, but still, you know how socialistic you guys are. 
And especially that happened in Montreal when they wanted to, what's it called? What, what did the French want to do? They wanted to. Oh, they wanted to separate from Canada. Separate, yeah. Yeah, the separatists. Separatists. So that's going outside. This is what I'm saying. It's all going on outside. Question is, what's going on inside? And that's why you guys have helped me. I've helped with other with money problems. But that's that's why it's education. But you got to take care of yourself inside. Yeah. Um, Cal, just with a $69 super chat. Uh, thanks, it's prices. Thank you, Robin Rich, for doing this. Hashtag Chase Excellence. Uh, the competent man has another one here. It is hilarious to see uh, the EU beg Russia for more NG as they restrict supply. Natural gas, I'm assuming, is NG. Natural gas in Europe is at 36 per uh, MPTU, all-time high, and biting, begging OPEC for more oil. I never thought people could magoo. Didn't like didn't didn't the U.S. get to a point where it was um, independent from oil producers with fracking? Like, did that stop or something? Yeah, Biden shut it down. Biden shut it down. They cut down the Keystone pipeline and all that. Yeah, because <clears throat> I went, I went because I started this whole show. I got a job with Standard Oil when I first graduated, but I went in the military instead. But what he's talking about is this here. This here is the Fed, and this here is a shadow banking system. The shadow banking system is what people cannot see. And what's going on in Europe today, gas prices are going through the roof, which is crushing the shadow banking system. Whereas the Fed is pumping money in. So I, I watch all of this stuff. I'm going, okay, 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 okay. But that's why it's gold, silver, Bitcoin, <clears throat> because I don't trust the Fed. And the, everybody, everybody thinks the Fed has power. Fed has no power over this. The Fed does not print money. The Fed technically prints what's called bank reserves. You and I cannot spend bank reserves. So the question is, how does a person like me access those bank reserves? I would, I would this. I go into a bank. I show them this. Bank reserves get converted into cash via debt. And so I am a billion dollars in debt, but the debt has gone to buy assets. I am completely opposite of the 401k or the RRSP or what Bubble Vision CNBC says. Mm -hmm. I'm a capitalist. That means I have people and money work for me and I pay no taxes legally. And I have a jet, I have my money stored overseas and I'm about to get my second passport. That's when you ask me how bad do you think it's gonna get? Bad. Yeah, when, when residents of the US start to acquire additional passports, because the thing that most people understand is that you don't own that passport. I mean, the government can take it away from you at any time. Right. And that could restrict your movement. And if you want the ability to maneuver, you're going to need another passport. Can I tell you one another? Yeah, we meet these people on the way who deliver messages, like mm -hmm. you and Ronald deliver messages. And you either listen to them or you don't listen to them. But when I went to school in New York, <clears throat> I had a classmate. and da, 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 da. He's a Jewish guy from Berlin. His family came from Berlin. I said, well, how'd you get here? He said, well, his mom and dad saw Hitler come to power when they were in Berlin. And so they left and they moved to New York. And all their friends said, oh, you're such pessimist. You're such pessimist. Why? Hitler's not going to do anything. You're such pessimist. And so I said, so what's the, what's, what was the lesson? He says, my parents understand now that the pessimist came to New York and got rich. The optimist went to Auschwitz. <laughs> and that's and so true story. Yeah. And so what I'm doing is I'm saving gold, silver, Bitcoin. I like YouTube. I like listening to different points of view. 
but I want to be a capitalist, not somebody who needs a job so they can vaccinate me or fire me. Mm-hmm. I really do that. Yeah. Nothing against the vaccine, but don't take my freedom away. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Red Pill Arabic, with near demographical catastrophe in West economy fall follows, do you consider this your future investment? What's that? Let me, let me read it again because I know he's from Jordan. Uh, with near demographical catastrophe in the West, so the West is collapsing basically is what he's saying, economic fall. Uh, do you consider this in your future investments? So in future investments, do you do you consider what's going on in the U.S. with the Fed and with the economy and with you know political opinions and political correctness and the wokeness and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, you have to pay attention what's outside of you. But again, the reason I, I like your work is what's going on inside of you. So you, you may not, I cannot control um, Biden, right. but I can control me. And so that's why when I was listening to your stuff and, and Rollo's stuff about chasing excellence, not don't chase women, because I was so blasted when Kim left because I stopped chasing excellence. I became a fat ass beta. I'm 74 years old, you know, I'm going, holy shit, I'm going to. Uh, and because of you and Rollo, you know, my health got better, Nicole all those toxic cleanses on me and that costs money i mean self-care is expensive especially as you get older it's harder to repair yeah. the damage you've done yeah and and that's why what you what you guys you guys talk to a younger demographic and that's why i started that program sex money power with rollo because sex money and power you got that you got it made yeah too bad they don't teach that in school huh um Juan says, respects to Rob admitting his old beta tendencies. Most men of his stature position wouldn't admit it. Shout out to Rob for going on the show. And Christian says, thanks, Richard, for the lessons you've put out there. I, too, like Robert, became beta over time. I was able to find you before the demise of my marriage, which now works for both of us. Yeah. Yeah, people don't go... People don't like taking vitamins. They prefer painkillers, don't they? Right? I mean, like, we only go looking for vitamins after we've taken enough painkillers, right? I guess so, but you know what the reason what you say is important is because it's painful too. I'm in the you know after this show is over, I'm over to a yoga class. I'm I'm about as flexible as a leaf spring. You know, I have, <laughs> I, I, I'm Japanese, but I, I couldn't take judo because my legs don't bend. And, and most Asians are real flexible. <laughs> well, you're, you know, you're a single man now, right? I mean, I have a, I have a friend that's actually uh, a little bit older than me. He's also divorced and he calls his yoga studio his honeypot because there's so many women there. <laughs> well, George, George Gavin was giving me and giving me grief for being in spin class. I said, I'm in the back row. I'm the yoga pants instructor. <laughs> <laughs> you got the best view in the house. Uh, hey, Robert, what advice would you give a 20 year old man who is starting his entrepreneurial career? Start. I mean, uh, study, 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 study. I mean, what accumulates, you know, fat accumulates, but so does knowledge and wisdom. And so I could be sitting at a bar, you know, instead of listening to a Rich Cooper or a Rollo, I could be sitting at a bar sucking down chicken wings and a Budweiser. Mm-hmm. That accumulates. Or I could be listening to YouTube and listening to you guys and listening to Gammon and listening to guys like Records. And, and I also listen to the Marxists. Some of these guys... They give me the creeps. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Marxists and communists on YouTube. Well, you have to know your enemy, right? I mean, you have to know what they're plotting. Intel. I, it's, it's called, it's called op- keep an open mind, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And, and um, most of them are, are Marxists because they never learned to be a capitalist. 
if you know if you're a capitalist you would never be a marxist well it's harder work to be a capitalist i think it's harder work yes. you know i always say you know just just do the work and like part of the reason why so many people you know default to, to, to easier things is because it's easier right i mean you know marxism right. gives right. me free shit right um I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, haters and criticism because it's because it's one of the things that starts to happen as you become more popular and, and you know, you're in the limelight. And I was talking to you before we went live and I mentioned that I was looking at your Wikipedia page and you said, oh, I never read those things. Um, and it, and they're usually filled with a decent amount of criticism. In fact, most of them have like a criticism you know, area. So how do you deal with critics? Like, do you have a go to formula? Like, how do you deal with that? Again, Rich, I want to thank you for that. You and Rollo. I'm not. I am not bullshitting you because I don't. I don't like. I don't. I don't need to do this. It's when you talk about chasing excellence and getting people into frame. You know, and one of the things I used to do is I'd shine off people. Mm-hmm. They come up and talk to me about, well, thank you for you know, the book, and and now I don't do that. So people stop me and say, thank you for writing your book. I stay with them. I am. My excellence is to be a better human being with them. Everybody that comes up to me, because not that it was going to my head is I'm busy. And I don't have time for somebody to tell me how they made 10,000 bucks. You know, I just go, whoa, you know, <laughs> I sit there, listen to them, but, you know, but it's in everything I do. Can I be excellent at it? Can I be better human being towards them? And it's in what that's, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's the word excellence is a mental word. Well, how do I convert it to action? And when I convert it to action, I change. You know, I uh, Maria Montessori, the Montessori school system, <clears throat> she says, what the hand does, the mind remembers. But too many academics, they have good memory, but they can't do shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's my whole family, the great people, PhDs. I have one distant relative. He's 40 years old. He's living in the basement. and He's going for a section, second PhD. You can't find a job. I said, duh. Is God trying to tell you something? Yeah, so just so don't pay attention to that. So what do you do? You don't what have do you- any time to pay attention to haters if you're chasing excellence, right? Well, there's a, there's a saying I have, you know, don't teach pigs to sing. It wastes your time. It annoys the pig. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't argue with them. These yeah. people, I'm not kidding. Rich. Women call me up and say, I want to talk to Rich and uh, Rollo. I said, help yourself. Yeah. I want to tell them why they're wrong. I said, not Call in on their show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, who gives a shit? <laughs> you know? But notice, they don't have men. I, you know what I mean? I, I just look at what's happening. I said, where's your LTR? Where's your... Well, I don't have one. What yeah. happened? Well, he left me. Well, that should tell you something. <laughs> Savage Robert Kiyosaki is the best Robert Kiyosaki. Um, okay, let me let me catch up on some of these over here. I'm a man of chasing accidents thanks to these two men with these two men on the screen together as prices. Robert gave me the red pill of finance. Rich, you gave me the red pill of life. Lots to respect both. Thank you, man. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you. it. Um, Russian Eskimo. Thank you, Robert, so much. I'm getting ready to go into real estate at 18. I'm thinking of hard money. Is real estate okay during a crash? I think real estate is great during a crash, isn't it? That's a very important question because all markets go up and all markets come down. Yeah. The reason stocks are better than real estate. Okay. Let's say I buy Amazon or Apple. Let's say it's a hundred bucks. If it goes down, I can, I can exit that fast. It's, mm-hmm. it's called liquidity. The trouble of real estate is not liquid. 
So if you buy at the height of a market, you're the skipper of the Titanic. You're going to go down with it because you can't get out. So that's the word is called liquidity. It's financial literacy. What does liquidity mean? Well, how fast can you exit? So with real estate, the reason I like real estate is I use 100% debt and I pay no taxes. So I've got to be 10 times smarter because I'm using 100% debt. And if that baby comes down, you know, there's going to be a second crucifixion. This time is going to be a Japanese guy, not a Jewish guy. You know, they're, they're going to hang me out to dry. My investors will. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it really is the higher the risk. That's the thing I learned in flying. The more dangerous the flying, the better pilot you had to be. That's all it meant to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to be better than, than the Viet Cong. I had tremendous respect for the Viet Cong and the NVA. Those guys could fight. You know, and, and as you know, as a man, you respect another fighter. And they were fighters. Boy, they were good. Yeah. But I had to be better. That's all it meant to me. Uh, Chris says, my bank, oh, it's, okay, so this is just your quote. He says, you know, my banker doesn't care about my GPA or cares about where my money is coming from. Uh, yep. Let's see yep. here. Earthling says, hey, Robert, can you talk about hex crypto and the economics behind the coin, staking supply, demand, et cetera? I'm afraid I don't know nothing about hex crypto. All I know is crypto's taken on the Fed, and the Fed is Marxist. When you read my book, The Capitalist Manifesto, I have in there all the quotes by uh, Lenin, especially, about how to how to kill capitalism was number one, you debauch the currency, which Nixon did in 71, and second was the establishment of a, of a uh, central bank, which happened in 1913. And what I say to Americans is that America was formed as a tax-free nation. It wasn't 1619 or whatever they say, 1610. America was founded in 1773 at the Boston Tea Party. They kicked all, they said, we're not going to pay taxes. And I'm still a patriot because I still don't pay taxes because I use debt. And that takes a lot of study. And that's what I study. How do the rich really get rich using Mm -hmm. debt and paying no taxes? You think Trump pays taxes? Of course not. Yeah, most people that have their lives sorted that make proper money aren't paying much in the way of taxes. What was that? Most people that have their lives sorted that are that are making some serious bank in their lives, especially in the US. I mean, we don't have we don't have the same tax structure that you have in the US and Canada. Like I pay about fifty three percent taxes on my income. Plus, I'm paying 50% capital gains on anything that's outside of retirement savings. So it's it's like Canada is not the place to be if you want to pay minimum taxes. If you can leave, leave. I always tell guys, leave Canada. But <laughs> I'm stuck here until my kid's an adult. I'm just being honest. Um, well, so, because, can I offer something? Yeah, yeah go ahead. My, my accountant, his name is Tom Wheelwright. I'm going to have him on the program with you and uh, Rollo. Uh, hey, I'd love to be a part of that conversation. Yeah, Absolutely. And, and he's... Because he's an expert on taxes. Yeah. I mean, that, that guy reads tax code. And so what we found, I've traveled all over with Tom and Kenny, my, my real estate guy. All we do is talk about debt and taxes. Mm-hmm. And in every country, it's real estate is the way out of taxes. Debt. Yeah. And so I laugh at all the guys who were in Puerto Rico. <clears throat> I said, if you guys had an financial IQ, you don't have to go to Puerto Rico. Because in Puerto Rico, you have to live 183 days to minimize your taxes. Whereas if you're a real estate guy, you don't have to pay taxes anyway. 
Right. But you've got to be able to borrow in the 100 million category. Okay, so keep an eye out for that. We're going to do that collab in the future. So to the point of Hex Crypto, um, let me just talk about this you know, for a minute. Because there's last time I checked, there's something like 11,900 different cryptocurrencies. Most of them have no use case whatsoever, and they're total either garbage or scams. Hex, in my view, is one of those. There's a lot of people that love it, and it's it's kind of tied into multi... Like, to me, it it throws off the same vibes as BitConnect. And if you want to go back to 2016 or 17, around when BitConnect was getting big, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. My view on it is take your profits and get out. That thing's going to collapse eventually. Okay. I've never heard about it, so I have no comment. Yeah. Uh, the competent man. Funny recent story. I was worried about large spikes in energy prices, but I realized I can't do anything, so I bought... A oil future options contract, go oil. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you might as well make money while, while they're uh, doing what they're doing, right? That's that's a capitalist attitude. That's like yeah. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the Green New Deal. Yeah. I said, well, I'll just sell carbon credits and make more money. Thank Fair God, enough. God bless her. Uh, greetings from Berlin. I am Moroccan. Russian, sorry, Russia doesn't want spot markets. That's like it's pushing for long-term contracts. Follow the next, I don't know what SC is. Social contract? Maybe. Um, what are your thoughts on decentralized finance? Okay, so let's talk about DeFi. So decentralized finance and apps, and would you consider them a good investment? What do you think about those, Robert? I'm not qualified to speak on that, so I'd better not. I'm, I'm just saying um, I use 100% debt because every time I borrow money, money is created. And so because I use debt, the government gives me tax breaks. If you can understand that, every time I borrow, like say 30 million, I borrowed $30 million for a piece of property in Austin, Texas. I pay, they give me tax breaks because I'm using debt. And that's why this financial statement is crucial. So when I sit down with the banker and I show them I got all these properties, I have no dings against them. They're cash flowing. They'll give me more money. So that's why, you know, Rich, if he could get my, my accountant on and he can talk about global taxation because it is your single largest expense. And I would hate to see you move to Puerto Rico. <laughs> I'll, I'll, um, Puerto Rico, but I like Canada better. <laughs> do you want me to talk to Sarah to set that up? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, so to the point of decentralized finance and Robert, I would I would encourage you to look in this a little bit closer. Um, maybe, okay. maybe talk to Charlie and Miguel. I know that that you were on with them together with Rolo when they were doing the Cultivate Crypto thing. They know this space really, really well. Um, decentralized finance is going to be huge. It is going to disrupt the banks big time. Um, it's it's basically decentralized um, finance, like as it as it purports. Um, the banks can't control it. They can't shut it down, and they can't tax it. Well, you know why I'm laughing is because I am centralized finance. I am the Fed. You are your own Fed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But exactly. I have to be a borrower. Yeah. The Fed loves debtors. So they hate, they hate savers. So what kind of rates are you able to get on your like real estate assets? You know, for example, like what do they pay monthly? My rates? Yeah. Like how much are you earning off the assets monthly, roughly? Well, I have no idea. Eight thousand of them. So so with de so with decentralized finance products, when you when you're staking them. They're anywhere from, I mean, on the low end, 15 to 20%. I've seen APYs as high as, uh, I mean, temporarily in the thousands, but they generally average around 44% or so. It's worth looking into. 
Yeah, let me let me let me say something, Rich. If I buy a property for one hundred percent debt, and I make ten dollars, what's my R, what's my ROI? Sorry, say again. Let's say I borrow. You know, like I just borrow money. I have one hundred percent debt. Okay. I'm as decentralized as they get because I'm well, I'm centralized as they get. Yeah. But since it's none of my money, every dollar I make is infinite. Right. I'm making money out of nothing. Right. So you're making money off off the central yeah. bank, basically. Yes, I yeah. am the central bank. Yeah. You know, but it takes intelligence. And that's what that's what the guy was talking about with the rat race and the fast track. That's all I teach is I don't need money. I use debt. And when I buy, so let's let's say I use debt here. This is the liability. Mm-hmm. And I buy an apartment house, so I have no money in the deal, and cash is flowing to my income, and I'm paying no taxes. It's infinite. What's the what's the starting point for the average guy in the United States to get into a position where they're not going to like? Is it thirty million? Is it fifty million? Like, no. what sort of book do you I, need to get into that? If you understand infinite, you don't need money. It's a complete different way of thinking, Rich. So that's so that's what I learned from my rich daddy. Because everybody says, well, I can't afford it and all this stuff. He says, no, you just don't have enough brain power. So that's that's all I teach is how I, in fact, you know, I'd, I'd love to come on a program with you and my two guys, mm-hmm. my debt guy and my tax guy. Well, I understand I, debt in, find, in Canada because I used to run a business in in the yeah. debt space, we used to get people out of credit card debt. No, because we, we do a lot of business in Canada. Okay, That's yeah. why I list in Toronto. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Let's definitely do it's that. It's just a way of thinking. That's all yeah. it is. Okay. Um, let me get through the rest of these here because I want to try to respect your time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up in about 15 if that's okay. Sure. Um, the Moorish says, thus ending the hostility of Western Europe, which is mainly encouraged by LGBT and liberal movements inside the parliament. I think he's making reference to a, a comment that we were chatting about earlier. Um, question for Robert. Hang on. Okay, guys, slow down with the super chats. Maybe maybe stop because I got to get get this done in like fifteen minutes. Uh, sorry, sorry. Hold on a second. Okay, here we go. Uh, oh, this is a great question, Rob. If you're writing "Rich Dad Poor Dad" today, what point would you emphasize? Thanks for the insights, Rich and Robert. I would emphasize today: watch YouTube. <laughs> Watch anybody specific? <laughs> no, guys like you, Rollo, uh, George Gammon. Uh, Gammon's uh, got a great channel. I've watched a lot of his stuff now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't go to. I, I, I drive people crazy. I take my kid out of school and I'm watch YouTube. Yeah, and they go. These teachers are teaching communism. Yeah, and you know that I know that. Yeah, they're indoctrinating children. Yeah, it's it's a indoctrination camp for children run by the state, basically. Yes, yes, and I fought against those guys. You know, when I came back from Vietnam and I get spit on, hit by eggs by the hippies of the of the Woodstock generation, they all became mm-hmm. school teachers. <laughs> <laughs> That'll learn them. Uh, Robert, what books do you read recently and recommended reading? <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm, I'm reading constantly, but also I read uh, spiritual books like the sad, sad guru. You know, it's about how you are. He says the same thing you say, you know, that rich. What does he say? But it's, it's about you got to take care of your inside. Yeah. You, you got to handle inside you so you can control outside you. Everybody wants to change the world today. Let's change yeah. the world. Let's make it change more friendly world. and inclusive. And it's like 
if your house is messed up, why are you trying to change the world, man? Fix yeah. yourself first. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's why I, that's why I, uh, I begged Sarah to get me on your program, just to acknowledge what you and Rollo are doing, because it's information that is not readily available in the real world. And uh, you've, you've really got to know about sex, money, and power. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty good on the money and the power side, but I had no idea what a fat beta male I had turned into. <laughs> that's, see, that's the sad part about what guys like me and Rollo are doing is that most people don't get to the point where they're willing to, you know, pay attention and listen to what we have to say until they go through the trauma, right? You know, like their wife leaves them because you become a fat beta male, you know, for example. That's not always a reason, but there's a number of different yeah. catalysts, which, which, which are the input to... I'm suffering trauma. Where do I get the answer? And then one of your friends says, hey, you know, read this book and watch this channel sort of thing, right? Yeah. So, Rich, I love my wife madly. I date other women, but I'm focusing on being more excellent. And guess what? My wife likes me better. Instead of being a victim. Funny how it works that way, huh? Yeah. It's, it's if, I, if I just focus on becoming more excellent, focus on my mission, people like me better. And if, and if I'm willing to invite them into my frame, as you guys say, yeah. and not be an asshole saying, well, I'm too busy. You know, it's those little things. That's it, guys. Excellence. Rich Dad said it himself, man. Be on your purpose. Have a grind. You know, chase excellence, not women. Women will want to be with you. Men will want to be you. It's 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 not complicated, you know? No. And there's, and there's plenty of women out there and, but I tell you what, what you guys talk about, I see, but I, I didn't realize this, is testosterone levels are going down. There. And men are becoming, they're not even beta. You know, what they're called as a person with a vagina. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know who Andrew, Andrew Huberman is. I saw him on a Joe Rogan podcast a couple months ago, and I've been watching his podcast a lot lately. And I came across this one piece of information, which I think you're going to like. He said that, like scientifically speaking, like they've actually confirmed this, men's testosterone levels reduce when their woman cries. When what? When their woman cries, like when their wife or their girlfriend cries over something, men's testosterone levels drop. Well, you know what, what you guys call it is don't get shit tested. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's the shit test is sitting around listening to the, uh, I tell you, you what, know, the tears. Rich, that, you know, the, the scientific holy grail is called when you get shit tested, fight back. I mean, I say, fuck you. <laughs> and I, 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 I now recognize a shit test when I see it. I didn't know it before. Yeah. There was a, um, there was a gig that we did with Aaron Cleary, Rolo and Gammon, I think, and you weren't available for it. But um, I think Aaron was talking about how he doesn't deal with a woman's tears. Like he just walks away. So, so there's a lesson there from Huberman's scientific research. You know, if she's starting to cry, you can walk away and your testosterone levels maintain themselves. It's yeah, one but, option anyway. Yeah, just don't get manipulated by it. Yeah, don't don't be manipulated control, by the control you. There's nothing wrong with being kind and compassionate and stuff like this. Right. You don't have to be an asshole. That's not what alpha stands for. Not asshole, but just be an alpha male. Put yourself first. Let's grab this one over here. Um, I believe that entrepreneurial spirit and maintenance of society are not exclusive. Can we admit that bankers do suck capacity from the economy, stifle the ability to create startups more than it should? What do you think about that? I, I completely disagree. If you have a good financial, bankers give all the money. I have to learn how to raise capital. It's a science. 
you know, so that's why I was in Vancouver. You know, when I told Rich, when I told people I was listing on the Vancouver Stock Exchange, they all ran from me. <laughs> I said, you must be nuts. I said, but that's where those guys are. They're practicing. I learned more about raising capital in Vancouver. I call it the Frito, Ban Frito Bandito capital of the world. But once we got listed, we had to migrate to Toronto, TSA. Mm -hmm. And that's how you're going to migrate to, not, to uh, NASDAQ. We didn't have a chance because the Chinese stole our property. <laughs> that was a gold mine story, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's how you learn, you know. But I make the money back because exactly as I said, you fall down and stand back up. Yeah. A winner is somebody that got, you know, you fall down six times, you get back up seventh. You know, that's what a winner does, right? That's yeah. when they win. Uh, thank you for answering my prior question with such depth. Would also like to ask what you see as the most possible timeline for the U.S. through 2030. Well, centralization or decentralization win. How does the average Joe survive? So lean into the future 10 years, Robert. How does the average Joe survive what's happening in the U.S.? Well, I think one of the best books written was, was that guy, um, the, the Fourth Dimension or something, or the, um, the Fourth Turning. The, you know, it talks about we're now hit the Fourth Turning. A turning is a lifetime, approximately 85 years. Is that the book title, The Fourth Turning? I think so, yeah. But it talks about we're entering a period of leader, weak leadership. And when you see Biden, he's as weak as they get. Yeah. So I, these guys have studied this. I think it's called the fourth turning. I, I read it a while ago. But we're now exactly in the fourth turning. And there's a period of leader. We have lack of leadership. So 2030 will be even worse. But that's good news if your attitude is more of an alpha. You know, you're going, you're going to be proactive. You're going to do something. You're going to work harder on yourself and try and change outside. You know, change you. Be in the stacks. Find a purpose. You know, chase excellence. That's how you get out of this thing. I mean, from your stuff and Rollo's stuff and all this, it's really changed what I do. I wrote, I wrote a Capitalist Manifesto due in part a lot to inspiration by you and Rollo and plus my wife leaving. I said, why'd she leave? Mm. So the kick, you know, it's like a shotgun shot in the chest. I said, okay, you better get more excellent and write harder. And since I see communism already taking place, I mean, it's all over Canada, as you know. Yeah. And uh, I better do something about it. So I start the Capitalist Manifesto with, I have more to lose and to gain by writing this book, but I got to do it. And that's and that's mission that's excellence but i had to become a better writer because the danger is higher um i got like eight minutes left guys so don't send any more questions um i may not get through all these question for robert thoughts on china releasing their own cryptocurrency in the coming months backed by gold will we see this in the u.s or even a global cryptocurrency well the global cryptocurrency is bitcoin right now but what do you think about this chinese one that's coming out well i <clears throat> I just don't trust the Chinese, not not the people, but the Chinese government. The government, yeah, yeah. You know, there was a, there's a funny story about it, and this kind of fits where we come from. Is when Mao Zedong was in power, he was one of the worst financial leaders. He murdered 25 million or 60 million people, and that's what I'm afraid of. Communists murder people. Stalin murdered people. Lenin murdered people. Hitler murdered people. But what was well, so when Mao came to power, they had a rat problem. And there were rats all over China because nobody was taking care of it. So he said, okay, I'll pay you guys to take care of, to, 
to catch rats. And the Chinese aren't stupid. They said, why should we catch them? We just raised them. <laughs> there's, a, there's a decent documentary on Netflix. I think it's called How China Became Rich. It's either on Netflix or Amazon Prime. I can't remember where I saw it, but it's called How China Became Rich. Go watch it. Yeah, okay. Uh, the point here is this, is that we're interconnected in this world as a global currency. We're in a shadow banking system has more power than the Fed or any central bank. And so the reason I support Bitcoin or crypto, the, th the, the process of it, is because the Fed, the Treasury, and Wall Street have no power anymore. And you better go, go to the power as quickly as you can. And the power sits up here, you know, and don't be a victim. You, you look at what Black Lives Matter says. I'm not against blacks. It's, they say that the, defi the definition of a, uh, what do they call it? Uh, a, a suppressed person is they're mentally and, they mentally and intelligently more superior than the rich. They're telling the people that poor people are better than the rich people. And I, I don't doubt that's true in some places, but I don't really care. That's why I'm on your program. You just chase excellence in your own life. And you've been able to handle no matter what comes down the pike. You know, like, like I said, when my wife left me, it was a wake up call. But she stepped up too. I wasn't stepping up. So I've stepped up now and we actually get along better. And or I could blame her for everything. Right. You know? This is a really good question here. So isn't real estate mostly ruined by the fact the government can stop rent for months on end? Like, why would the typical person want that risk? They've never stopped my rent. I don't know what country you live in. Um, I, think he's, I think he's talking about the rent relief um, during the pandemic, during the lockdowns and all that, where people weren't required to pay their rent. Yeah, well, well you just handle. Those are little, little problems you handle. I mean, I don't handle any of that. That's why my friend Kenny comes on. Mm -hmm. I just give him my money. I make a lot of money in my other businesses, but I've got to give my money to a real estate guy. How did you solve that problem? Like, I'm not in the U.S., so I don't know how the rent uh, you know, yeah, situation I, worked, you know, with a lockdown. Yeah. So that's why it would be good, Rich, if we get Kenny and Tom on. We can talk about that. We talk about Kenny. I can talk about the world because we've okay, traveled cool. the world together. Cool. And they all find out it's always the same. You know, when you look here... This is ESB. This is the book number two. You go to school for to be an employee or you become a doctor, or a lawyer, a specialist or a plumber, something like this. The capitalists live on this side here, B and I. And so when we taught all over the world, we only teach this side here. I don't know this side. That's my poor dad's side. Mm -hmm. This is my rich dad's side here. So B stands for a brand. 500 employees and a brand. So I my book is now number 20 in the world because I studied how to build a brand. I didn't study how to be a doctor. And then the I stands for insider. I never touch outside stocks. I'm always an entrepreneur. But so that's how my solutions are different, but I studied for it. That's the story of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That's embroidered I mean, in, the, in, the, in the headrest on your chair too, isn't it? What's that? That's embroidered yeah. in the headrest yeah, of your chair yeah, behind yeah, you. Yeah. yeah, I just noticed that. My, my whole uh, team gave that to me because we teach, Rich Dad teaches people to be on this side. Academics teach people on this side. These guys pay 40% in taxes. S is pay 60%. So if a doctor makes a million dollars, they walk home with 400. Mm -hmm. That's terrible. Yeah. 
I make a million dollars here, I walk away with a million dollars. And I walk over here, it's 20%. And the reason I got a tax break here is because I have so many employees. And the average person has no employees. So I have about a thousand employees. I create jobs. So I get tax breaks. And so that's why these guys here, the, the small business guys get hammered because uh, my tax guy will explain it to you. I just know I don't want to be here. Yeah, we'll schedule that in so that, so that yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, let's dive into that. This is book number two. It's called The Cash Flow Quadrant. Mm -hmm. A lot of people say after, after reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, this makes more sense. And the third book is Rich Dad's Guide to Investing here. I use debt and I don't pay taxes. You know how fast you can get ahead doing that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, here, I'm just going to look real quick if there's any other questions. Most of these are statements. You guys can read the super chats. Um, do, do, do. Looks like that's it. Um, let's let's start to wrap up because we did a full 90 minutes. This was a long one. I normally don't go quite this long, but this was a awesome conversation. Thank you. Um, I'm going to talk to Sarah about scheduling you, you again with the tax guy. Where do you want to send people to find your stuff? Is it your books? Do you have a website? Do you have a program? Well, it's, it's richdad.com. Rich okay. And, um, but uh, I, I just, Rich, I flunked out of high school because I can't write. <laughs> but you wrote books. And now, now, now my book is number 20 in the world of Amazon. Which one so, is it? Is it? Is it the Rich Dad book or is it the Cash Flow Quadrant book? Five years. Uh, rich dad book it is awesome but i started it because this here is what your banker asks you for it's a financial statement and rich dad poor dad is simply a book on accounting income statements balance sheet statements of cash flow if you can control that which is what you guys are talking about you and rollo you control yourself you control your financials you can control your life there you have it guys robert kiyosaki is the godfather of the red pill on finance so check out his material like I said, he's a great guy and uh, really enjoyed the conversation, Robert. I'm going to reach out to Sarah and take you up on the offer with your tax yeah. back for further. We're, we're the same team. It's sex, money, power. Sex, That's money, power, man. Let's do That's it. That's what we want. Thanks, brother. Uh, stay thank on for sectus as I end this. But guys, thank you. Make sure you hit the like button and leave a comment.